This is a News Laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Interviews. Hello and welcome to News Laundry Interviews. Uh, today we're in conversation with N. Venugopal Rao. He's a journalist and he's also the nephew of Varvara Rao. And that's one of the reasons why he has him today on our show. Um, for those of you, uh, I'm sure a lot of you know who Varvara Rao is. He's a poet of great note. He's an activist a very prominent activist and he's been in jail since 2018 as uh, what some would call a political prisoner in the Elgar Parishad case. Now the Elgar Parishad case is linked to the Bhima Koregaon violence. Very briefly, uh, we I want to discuss this case with actually uh, our guest today so I won't give too much of it but very briefly Elgar Parishad was an event that was organized and this event uh, was organized on the 31st of December 2017 and it was linked to the Bhima Koregaon violence. So if you've seen the movie Court, to me, um, it's a bit uh, reminiscent of that movie because much of what has come out after the Bhima Koregaon violence is that the Pune police has claimed that slogans uh, in this meeting or poems in this meeting or conversations in these meetings led to the violence. They've also alleged that this meeting was attended by overground Naxalites and uh, Three or four months into investigations, they roped in a lot of uh, activists in this investigation. They were arrested activists saying that uh, these guys somehow instigated the violence or had something to do with the violence. So, um, Varvara Rao was also arrested among one of these activists. He's, he's more than 80 years old. Uh, he's a senior elderly man and he's recently came back to news because his family has been asking for bail because his condition is deteriorated in the... Um, jail. He's also been tested positive for COVID. So uh, my first question to you is actually, uh, I read in the newspapers that the family was allowed to video conference with Varvara Rao yesterday for 20 minutes. Uh, were you part of this conference or also? Did you get to meet him or uh, did you get to chat with him, see him? And what can you, how is he doing health-wise? I don't know how much of it can be shared because it is uh, directed by Mumbai High Court's decision and its directive to Nanavati Hospital to allow us to meet him okay. and uh, subject to hospital protocols as well as government protocols with regard to COVID patients. And uh, because of that, Nanavati Hospital said uh, their protocols would not allow to meet personally and that's how they arranged this video conference. Uh, I don't know how much of it can be shared because it's a court matter. Uh, what I would like to say is physically he was not very well. He was frail and weak and psychologically it's more worrying because he was still incoherent on July 15th when we met, met him in Sir JJ hospital he was incoherent. He did not recognize us at that time, but yesterday he did, he did recognize us. But when we asked something, he was not directly answering and he was uh, going back into his memories of uh, two decades, three decades or four decades ago. So that's that much I can say. That means his status, health status is as it, it was on May 28th when he was brought to Sir JJ Hospital from Taloja Jail because of electrolyte imbalance. Okay. 
actually electrolyte imbalance will cause this kind of confusion loss of memory and incoherence so before uh, he was arrested can you tell us the how is his health deteriorated i mean uh, before he went to jail was he also suffering with bouts of uh, you know forgetfulness or was he also weak so how has it changed over the past two years as a family not at all not at all he never had any neurological psychological problems he had uh, piles he had acidity he had migraine he had hypertension at least six or seven were there but for them also we don't know what kind of treatment medical aid was given in pune erwada jail but we know that in pune jail when he was in pune jail at least three times he was taken to sasun hospital we also don't know what was the treatment and what was the ailment and this particular loss of memory and incoherence began only in may june yeah on may 28 when he was admitted in the hospital the later hospital has submitted medical report to the court and that's how we came to know that he was suffering from electrolyte imbalance sodium and potassium levels were dangerously low because of that any medical guide any medical textbook will tell you that lower levels of dangerous levels of potassium and sodium will lead to incoherence loss of memory loss of sense of time how is his uh, how is his condition been with regard to covid because he's also been with all this he's also been diagnosed with covid has his own recovery or how is his on july 16th that was the second day in sarjeje hospital when we went to see him we were allowed to go to him to the ward so we met superintendent and superintendent gave permission letter we took the letter and went up to the second floor and when we showed the letter nurses said we just got the information that he was tested positive so you are not allowed to meet him so we could not meet him apart from that nurses information on covid we did not have even now yesterday's video conferencing also there was no information on covid so are the doctors there briefing you on his health or no it it appears that there's been no regular briefing to the family on how he's dealing with uh, covid and of course other complications that have arisen there was no regular briefing and we moved the court for a regular health bulletin and court directed nanavati hospital to give a medical report to them so that they will see that and they will decide whether that can be shared with family or not okay now uh, i want to come to the case now in this particular case there's a letter from what i have read the only proof against uh, mr varvara rao is a letter which the pune police has said that they have found uh, that letter is apparently according to them written by varvara rao to sirendra gadling another activist who's been arrested and it's a it's a cryptic kind of a letter where he's saying ki aapko paise diye hain demonetization mein uska istemal kare um that uh, is that the only uh, piece of evidence that the pune police has cited so far in the in the arrest on june 6th 2018 pune police released three letters 
and later in the course of time they released another nine letters this is the famous and, uh, yeah. the prime minister yeah. that was leaked to the media out of these 12 letters and later they filed a 5000 page charge sheet and another 2500 page additional charge sheet in all of them it's not our family's contention or accused's contention but several experts including ajay sohni who is forensic and defense strategy expert in the country from him to retired police officers retired forensic experts and journalists who have been covering naxalite beat for the last three decades four decades everybody said this so called evidence is laughable the so called evidence is cooked up fabricated What are the See, reasons? Yeah, I will give the reason. Particularly coming to Varavar Rao's case, they have shown a letter written in Hindi to Surendra Godling, supposedly written by Varavar Rao. Actually, yeah, at that really. time, yeah, at that exactly. time, in, in July 2018, News Laundry itself reported and exposed this letter that Varavar Rao never wrote a hindi line he He's could not, not write yeah he is not well versed in hindi so this is hindi thing is a cooked up thing and the other letters also many writing experts and how some lines were doctored into that or the whole letter was cooked up so all that anyway it will not everybody said they will not stand the scrutiny of law courts that's why trial has not started even till now not only as i am coming years. to the yeah two years and okay forget about family and forget about the accused sharad pawar who is supremo of a constituent party of the present present government on record said this is all cooked up evidence so investigators have to be investigated investigators had their own vested interests he also named them he also named the what was the vested interest i won't i don't want to go into detail actually news laundry itself has ex explored explored that how an outside agency was used for translating the charge sheet and what was the interest of the outside agency so i am not going into those details but sharad pawar said he asked the government to form a special intelligence team investigation team to investigate the investigators mm -hmm. so that is the case so that's why after 16 months nia has taken the case now again 6 months have elapsed in the 6 months last 16 nia filed a counter petition to oppose bail for varavara in that 26 page counter note was there in the 26 pages they have not cited a single new allegation than what pune police did that means even in the in the 6 months nothing an inch has not moved so primarily on the basis of that letter that they have kept him in jail for two years yeah. a letter written in hindi by a yeah. person who does not speak hindi so right. writing hindi yeah. is all the more very difficult also yeah. uh, with regards to this letter i don't know if it's been shown to you or not is it a typed out letter or is it handwritten typed or written i don't remember but the the language used is should actually one of the marathi 
literary critics analyzed it through literary critic criticism tools and said this language is not used a language used in either telangana or even maharashtra this is used in some hindi belt so um now what is now uh, elgar parishad the the basic the crime in this case so to speak is the bhima koregaon violence and uh, pune police has linked elgar parishad event to uh, the bhima koregaon violence uh, was he present was varvara present at this event or or what involved in organizing it or uh, i mean did you know the kabir kalam people what is the link elgar parishad meeting as everybody knows it's not any any private information it's in public domain was organized by two retired judges pb savant and kolse patil and it was attended by people like jignesh mevani radhika radhika vemula omar khalid and out of these 12 accused in bhima koregaon case now except sudhir davle nobody attended that meeting nobody ever went to pune nobody has any connection with the meeting particularly varavar rao does not have any connection with the, that meeting he never so went to pune actually thinking of it i mean even if he didn't attend it no that that that's what i'm saying actually his visit to pune he visited almost all india and everywhere he he has been a public speaker for 40 years but he never went to pune for the first time he was taken to pune by police to put him in jail so with pune or pune's affairs he does not have anything and in the meeting also as i told the organizers are two judges they don't need parvar rao to support them and okay. they on record they on record said we collected funds for the meeting we organized the meeting we invited the people out of 11 or 12 now with hani babu 12 accused only sudhir davle was present because sudhir davle is a cultural activist he was a singer and he quoted a line from a play written by bertolt brecht in germany in 1930s mm. now the whole case is based on that line this is brecht's poem yeah this is a brecht's line of 1930s germany actually this is this is very interesting that uh, play written by brecht is named uh, good woman of sezuan it's based in china sezuan a, a, a state or a capital city there a prostitute his she is the main character protagonist of that uh, drama there she says when whole lot of injustices are happening people are silent and then she comes and says if this kind of injustices are going on and people are silent why should this city be alive let it let it be burnt this is this is the line and he read out this line or he sang this line and police took this let the city be burnt okay so they did <laughs> it as, uh, yeah. as a as a call as to burn bhima koregaon because, because city was burnt 
from January 2nd to January 8th. Not only Pune, many other towns in Maharashtra. And it was the, the, the final, the violence was actually a clash between the right-wing forces and uh, people who were activists who were congregated there from the yeah. Ambedkar. Actually, Pune police asked the deputy mayor under the chairmanship of deputy mayor of Pune at that time, a 10-member committee to find facts. That fact-finding committee clearly mentioned Shambhaji Bide and Milind Egbote's names and their complicity in the whole crime and violence and arson. And a, an FIR was registered. A complaint was given on January 2nd naming both of them. But that FIR and that complaint was never taken into consideration. A new FIR, a new complaint was booked seven days later, implicating the meeting. So the, starting from the beginning, see, from January 2nd or January 1st, 2018, the whole case is a lot of lies and fabrications and cooked up things. So, uh, I mean, coming back to Varvara Rao's case, there is only this one letter, uh, which Puna police has claimed. Uh, it's a letter written in Hindi, like you said. Uh, there is a, he didn't go to Elgar Parishad. They haven't really unearthed any uh, links of him organizing the event or being associated with the Koregao uh, event either. Um, why do you think he was, why do you think the probe reached him? If you believe that he you know, didn't have anything to do with Elgar Parishad, he didn't even participate in the Dima Koregao program, uh, or he didn't have much to do with Pune politics at all. Why do you think the probe reached him in the way it has? No, later Pune police enlarged the case. First, I know. It I was know. Only, yeah, it was only I the case of. That, but, yeah. uh, if, if you say that the letter is cooked up, why yeah. do you think the Pune police would want to cook up evidence against someone like Varvara Rao? No, that's why I'm saying first it was a case of arson, a local arson. From there, they made it a criminal conspiracy. So that you need not pick up only local people. You can book anybody from the globe. Mm -hmm. And from there, they enlarged the case further to urban Naxal All India conspiracy. And from there, they enlarged it to assassination attempt of prime minister. Mm -hmm. So there they brought in all those who were dissenting the policies, who were siding with marginal, marginalized people for the last three, four decades, five decades, and who were maybe openly supporting Maoist politics. But here in, in the country, the highest court of the land, Supreme Court itself said, being a member of Maoist party is also not a crime. Unless the person is associated with a particular crime and beyond reasonable doubt if it is proved that he is associated with that crime. Action. It's not just ideology. It's not just belief. It's action. Mm -hmm. Supreme Court said that. Here, in Varavaro's case, there is no action. It's belief. He has been believing and he has been writing. He published about 50 books. He has been a public speaker for 50 years. He has been saying that the status quo has to be changed. What is, uh, for those of uh, our viewers who may not have read him or are not familiar with his work, what is his core ideology? What has his work been around? Could you... His core ideology is equality, mm 
equality of peoples. That is his core, core ideology. Liberty, equality, and fraternity are the cornerstones of Constitution of India. And his ideology is also that. He's been a supporter of Mao's ideology. Certainly, certainly. he he thinks this ideals of liberty, equality, and fraternity cannot be achieved under this status quo, under this rule. This rule is for exploitation and oppression. So to bring in a change, to bring in revolution, he has been saying to bring in revolution. Whether it is, see, if somebody is believing in Gandhian politics, it does not mean that he is part of a Gandhian party. He has been saying revolution is the only liberation for this country. Yes. But in current times, especially when um, there is a rhetoric of urban naxals, you know, and of course we've seen that Maoist ideology have done a lot of damage also. You've seen in Chhattisgarh how innocent people have also been killed by Maoists, you know, people who are accused of being informants. Or in general, we've seen that places that have been taken over by Maoists, it's not, uh, it's not like they have been benign or it's not like they have been uh, just or with the cause, they've also inflicted very, uh, you know, uh, sort of, uh, they've inflicted a lot of brutalities on villagers where they live. So, I mean, in many cases where you see uh, villagers stuck between the state atrocity and the Maoist atrocity. In, in such a scenario, where did he stand on this? Uh, did he support taking to the gun? Did he support the violent aspect of his contention, this kind of question was posed to him several times. His contention was, even if people indulge in violence, that is not violence at all, that is only counter-violence. In this system, state and state machinery has much more capability to inflict violence. If a person who is suffering from that violence, just tries to stop that violence, that is branded as violence. That was his contention. He told and write, uh, has written this many times. And not only that, once when a police force who was in combing operation and went in helicopter and that helicopter was missing, he actually, Chhattisgarh government appealed to him to give an appeal to Maoist to spare that helicopter and the Javans who were missing there. He gave mm. a statement and that appeared in almost all media organizations. So when that kind of a question came, he was not supporting whatever quote-unquote you were saying, mindless violence. I'm not going into that debate now. See, Maoist violence, the question of quote-unquote Maoist violence can be debated sometime, but not now. It's not in, it's, this is not the forum. Uh, I think some of the things that you've said, a lot of it is also in the public domain. Like, uh, I'm reading from an Indian Express article that says that in 2005, he was an emissary for the People's War Group to broker peace between state government and Maoist organizations. And when the talks broke down, he was arrested under the Public Security Act. Uh, there's also been the Andhra Pradesh government that, you know, arrested him in 1973 as for maintenance of internal security act and stuff like that. So he's had his uh, run-ins with, uh, 
the state government of Andhra Pradesh especially. What do you think is um, different this time? In 1973, he was arrested for the first time. From 73 to 2014, he was arrested at least 10 to 12 times and he was implicated in 25 cases in 45 years. All kinds of cases like this case. Murder, attempt to murder, explosives, extortions, every, every possible crime from in IPC. But prosecution could not prove a single charge in a single case. Law courts acquitted him. Been... No, acquitted him in all 25 cases, finding him not guilty. And this time also, we are sure that same kind of crimes and allegations and charges are there. He will come out unscathed. But why we are worried more this time is, during those years, he was young and healthy. Now he is 80. His health is failing. And now he is tested COVID positive. How has through the years been? You know, as an activist, as someone who's always taken on uh, people more powerful than him, as someone who's believed very, has held very strong views and uh, stuck by them for so long. Um, how is his family now dealing with this, uh, having to see him to go to jail at this old age? Um, also in a case which seems, uh, in a case where there hasn't been much evidence produced against him, or in a case like, as you said, he wasn't involved much in Pune politics. How is his family coping up with this? And what are the, he has three daughters. If you can tell us what's going on through the families. They are under heavy stress. Particularly, he is my maternal uncle. He is my mother's brother. And he also married my elder sister. My sister is now 72. She is also hypertensive and diabetic. Her health is not very uh, good to go and do all these kind of errands. And they have three daughters. Three of them married, but all of them under stress and worried and for the, at least for the last two months, if not for two years, two months, we are crying every day. Because for the last four months, we don't have any information. He has been kept incommunicado because of COVID, because of lockdown. There were no family visits. There were no lawyer visits. There were no letters. And he has been a gregarious person. He used to go out for public meetings, for public speaking, 10 days in a month. And he, he believes in being among people. And he writes, and he's a voracious reader. He's a prolific writer. Because for the last four months, he does not have people. He does not have reading facilities. He does not have writing facilities. That hampered his health. That's what we think. This, for these psychological problems, developing over two months, this is the major reason. What is the status of the bail right now? You have appealed for the bail? Uh, what are the, what uh, what are your um, what are your points for the plea? What are the points that you've made to get bail for him apart from his health? Because this is a case uh, which is a bit serious. You have the NIA involved, and he's you know uh, uh, a 
accused of hatching a conspiracy to assassinate the prime minister so these are very serious charges where is the bail process and what have you guys appealed for nia special sessions court rejected his interim bail appeal this is called interim bail application it's not bail on technical grounds or bail on merit it this is basically based on supreme court's directions of march 24 to decongest jails when we filed this case he was not tested positive we filed this interim bail based on three grounds his age his health and covid vulnerability possibility of covid while the case was going on from june last week to now he is tested positive also but case has been dragging on in court finally this 7th august 7th court hearing is there we don't know what is going to happen but at least if not on technical grounds if not on merit at least on health and age and covid court may grant bail or if if it is rejected even high court we have to go to supreme court there is no other way ियोलॉजीड but even people who support these are seen as criminals they are seen as people who are not wanted so in this atmosphere especially what is the kind of responses that you got see the atmosphere is very bleak even those students and youth and activists intellectuals who were against caa are also branded as urban nazis mm. opposing caa is not a marxist thing it's yeah. it's may basically on religious grounds so that kind of bleak atmosphere is there but then we have three channels to fight one judiciary we have been doing that second political establishment in political establishment we have been making appeals starting from president to maharashtra chief minister to maharashtra home minister we made many appeals there is some movement there some parties or some people in some political parties are supporting our cause third is civil society we have been appealing to civil society and civil society response is fantastic it's more than what we expected from international quarters from various countries demonstrations are happening a, a social media website a site started a campaign for our raw release of our raw and asked people to translate his poems and recite and post on facebook in two days his poetry was translated into 24 languages italian french german irish so that kind of response is there from people we believe rovero used to believe that it is only people's creativity and people's power that will make changes and that is being proven my last question to you is uh, personally what do you make of uh, this whole urban nexal narrative especially with regard to the bhima koregaon case how do you see it see vivek agnihotri 
brought this term, this phenomenon into light. And if you read Vivek Agnihotri's book, whoever opposes me, whoever does not accept me is an urban accent. He named all top television channels as urban accent channels. He named vice chancellor of a university as urban accent. He named everybody who opposed his contention. So in that kind of atmosphere, I personally think it is not, it, it's just like McCarthyism in US. In US, they said un-American activities and even Charlie Chaplin was charged like that. In India, we have been seeing 1930s Germany, reenactment of 1930s Germany or 1950s United States. And Germany passed that. United States passed that. India will also pass this. Thank you so much for speaking to me. Thank you, Manisha. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.